Good morning. morning. It's good to be with you all today uh, as we near the end of the, hard to believe, the month of October. And um, next Sunday is our Stewardship Commitment Sunday. You should have received a card and a letter in the mail. If you didn't, please let us know. We'll make sure that we get that to you. I invite you to uh, pray this week about how you'll use the gifts God has given you in support of the church in the coming year and bring those cards with you next Sunday for a time of uh, prayer and commitment. Uh, The following Sunday, the first Sunday of November, November the 6th, uh, is All Saints Sunday, and we will remember in all of our services the saints, the members of our church who have died in the past year. Um, It's a beautiful service. The choir is singing uh, a a large piece that day. I hope you'll be here um, on the 6th for that. And then on the 13th of November, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know that um, our Bishop Ken Carter, the resident bishop of Western North Carolina, will be our guest preacher that day at all our services. Um, And if you have never heard or met Ken, it is a treat. I pray that you will uh, be here to welcome him warmly uh, to DUMC on the 13th at any of the services. He'll be with us at 8, 9.30, and 11. So... Look forward to having him with us. Then I think Harvest Procession is the 20th, right, the next Sunday. And then it's Advent, so here we go. It's a full full, uh, five weeks, um, and I look forward to being a part of it with you. So what you heard is a story about gratitude, about being grateful. It's it's, um, about gratitude as a posture and orientation for our lives and the life of the church. Gratitude is a way of inhabiting the world that runs counter to and subverts the resentment and the entitlement that defines too much of our life. It's also about gratitude as a a practice or a discipline that informs the way we live. And it's a story about Jesus. And what happens when when Christ and the kingdom draw near. Now, my guess is almost everyone in this room was raised with the the sense of importance, uh, and you're probably raising your own kids and grandkids, with a sense of the importance of saying thank you, being polite. We were probably all taught to do that from a very young age. But Luke imagines something deeper than a simple thank you. Luke, and and I'm now thinking about a sense of being profoundly grateful that arises from an awareness that all of life is a windfall. How many of you did something in order to be born and receive the gift of life? None of us. It is a gift. It is a gift that we didn't earn that none of us are entitled to or deserved, and yet we've received this great gift. And gratitude for and an awareness of that is countercultural to the way most of the world lives. A number of years ago, I, um, I think I've shared this story with some of you before, maybe not the, the whole group, but um, I was serving in a community where... Uh, on Wednesday mornings, the local homeless shelter had a morning prayer service um, every Wednesday morning, about 7 or 7.30. 
We gathered before the residents after they had had breakfast and before they would leave the shelter for the day, and they had local clergy lead the service, so I led it about once, uh, once or twice um, every month. It was just a simple service, sitting in a circle. No one had to come. Uh, it was all voluntary, so some of the residents came, some didn't. But every week, maybe eight or ten would gather in a circle, and we would kind of use a simple liturgy of prayer and scripture and reflection. And um, in each of, the, uh, each of the services that I led, I did what we often do here in our prayer time, which is I invited them to either out loud or in silence to name their joys, their concerns, whatever was on their hearts and minds. And I'll never forget the day that we went around the circle and we came to Mary. Mary was an absolute mess, a train wreck. She had lived most of her life um, homeless, uh, poor, addicted, abused, um, just kind of an outsider or a stranger to the way that we think life ought to go. And Mary was always there, always in worship with us. And that day as we came around the circle, we got to Mary, and Mary simply prayed, God, thank you that there is blood running through my veins. That was her prayer. She had very little in the way of the kinds of things for which we would think one is grateful for. And yet Mary prayed, God, thank you that there is blood running through my veins. Thank you for the gift of life. Uh, a profound sense of awareness that her life was a gift. That in all its Beauty and brokenness, it was a windfall. That's what Luke is pointing to today. Not a simple thank you, as important as those might be, but a kind of, uh, of gratitude that has the capacity to change our lives and transform the world. Luke tells us that it, it happened as Jesus made his way toward Jerusalem. Galilee is in the north of Israel, Jerusalem towards the middle of the south of the country, and Jesus is making his way south to Jerusalem. And he's come to the borderland between Samaria and Galilee. And in Luke's gospel, Samaria is more than geography. It's the symbolic landscape of rejection, the, the community of foreigners and outsiders who have not welcomed Jesus. So Jesus is somewhere between there and Galilee, which is, of course is the home of the Israelites and the hub of Jesus' ministry. He's in between those two distinct and contrasting communities, walking the fine line between them. It would be somewhat like today Jesus walking the walls that separate Palestine from Israel or even in our own communities those invisible fences and walls that, that divide red and blue communities um, in our own nation. And Luke tells us at that dividing line between who is in and who is out, Jesus is there by his witness and love seeking to overcome the division. To, to sort of reorder the landscape of the place, to overcome and heal the divisions. Luke and all the gospel writers want us to see that in Jesus the Christ, the kingdom of God draws near, God's reign of love and peace and joy invade our space, 
and transform the lives of those who encounter it. Jesus' presence and the presence of the kingdom which he brings subverts all the social constructs by which we order life, calls into question all our allegiances, liberates us from that which hinders abundant life and heals and redeems. When Christ draws near, that's what happens. The world is turned on its head. And Luke tells us that the faithful and proper response to that transformation is gratitude. As he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance but raised their voices. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Taking a good look at them, Jesus said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And when they did, they were healed, all ten of them. And one of them, when he realized what had happened, the transformation in his life that occurred, he came back, overcome with gratitude, threw himself at Jesus' feet, and, and couldn't thank him enough. And Luke tells us he was a Samaritan. He was like Mary. He was an outsider, a stranger, a foreigner to the way life was supposed to work. And yet he had a profound sense of gratitude for the gift of whole and abundant life that he received in Christ. The change that came because the kingdom drew near. Remember, Jesus brings the kingdom. Uh, God's new way of being human. And in so doing, he reshapes the geography of our lives. The way we think the world works is undone in Christ. And a new way for the world to work begins. Where lepers, even outsiders, are made whole and well. We see that, that change that Jesus brings, the kind of the first signs of it in stories like the ones from, one from Luke's gospel. That's what the healing stories are about in the gospels. They point to what is to come, the beginnings of a renewed creation where there is no more mourning or crying or pain. And the, the awareness of that, the reordering of the world that takes shape in Christ, results in gratitude. Henry Nouwen once wrote, Gratitude claims the truth that all of life is a pure gift. In the past, he says, I always thought of gratitude as a spontaneous response to the awareness of gifts received. But now I realize that gratitude can also be lived as a discipline, a practice, a habit. The discipline of gratitude is the explicit effort to acknowledge that all that I am and all that I have is a gift of love. A gift to be celebrated with joy. As we think about Jesus' encounter with the ten lepers and the, one, the Samaritan leper's response, there are a couple of things about that story that have lingered with me for this week. One of them is obvious probably to all of us. The other is a bit of an incomplete thought, so you'll um, forgive me for that, but maybe you can help me complete the thought, the idea. One is simply gratitude matters. It's central to a life of faith. We cannot live fully without it. 
The absence of gratitude leaves us bitter and resentful and feeling entitled as if life is something that we've earned and deserved. In contrast, the practice or the discipline of gratitude sets us free from that bitterness and resentment and entitlement. It liberates us for more abundant living, and it is the proper and faithful response to the knowledge that all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God. So that's kind of the obvious thing that's in this story to me. Gratitude matters. It's a part of a faithful life. Um, As Henry Nouwen says, it can also not only be just spontaneous, the way we see with the leper in this morning's gospel, but also a practice, something we learn to do. He writes this, Gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. I can choose to be grateful even when my emotions and feelings are still steeped in hurt and resentment. It's amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. I wish he hadn't written that sentence. But he did. How many occasions present themselves when I can choose gratitude rather than a complaint? The choice for gratitude rarely comes without some real effort. But each time I make the effort, the next choice is a little easier, a little freer, a little less self-conscious. Acts of gratitude make us grateful because step by step they reveal that all is grace. And in so doing, they transform the way we encounter and inhabit the world. That gratitude changes the way you see the world and receive what comes to you. Developing a practice or discipline of gratitude can be as simple as each day finding a moment to say four little words, I'm so grateful for. And you can complete the sentence. I'm so grateful for, over and over and over again, until it becomes the air we breathe. And then there's this second bit that kind of lingers with me. As I wrestled with Luke's telling of the story of the ten lepers. And that is this, wherever Jesus went, whatever heart or community or home he entered... They were different for him having been there. Profoundly changed because he had drawn near to the place. People encountered in Christ a different way of being human and a glimpse of God's hope for the world. Old divisions were overcome. There was no longer Gentile or Samaritan or or Jew, chosen or unchosen, clean or unclean. Only one common humanity loved and created by God. In the presence of Christ, relationships were healed. Divisions were overcome. Priorities changed. The way people saw their neighbors changed. The the geography of the landscape shifted. The old lines that divided were erased. So much so that some were so overwhelmed by that transformation and in an awareness of what had come their way in Christ, that, that they began to see their, their neighbors, their enemies, themselves differently, and were overcome by that difference with a profound sense of gratitude. And, and here's the point about that, I think. Um, you can ask a, a gospel scholar if this is off base, but um, I, I think this is right. 
in addition to inviting us to practice gratitude, I think Luke's story begs the question. If we are Jesus' people, and if if we are the church and the body of Christ in our community, does the witness of our life as church leave foreigners, those on the outside and the margins, those who are hurting and broken and wounded by life, does it leave them overwhelmed with hope and joy and thanksgiving? Does our witness as church, the way we are church together, leave the world better, healed, more whole? So much so, and and here, here it is, that the world returns to the church rejoicing, overwhelmed with gratitude for the difference they encounter in us. I think about that that one leper. All of them were probably grateful. They'd been healed of a horrible disease. One was so grateful, so overwhelmed by the difference made in his life because the kingdom drew near that he returned. He came back. He wanted to be near Jesus again. Are, Are the places we inhabit different because we've been there? So much so that folks are overwhelmed and return, looking for more. That's really the key question. Not so much how do we get people to come and join us here. That matters to get folks to participate in the life of the church. But really the kingdom question is, once they've come, do do they encounter anything that makes them want to return? He wanted to return so overwhelmed by the difference Christ had made in his life that he came back with rejoicing and thanksgiving. I've shared this with you before, but a a posture of gratitude for the gift of our life and the gift of our neighbor's lives brings an awareness that if people are hurting or broken or angry, it's likely because they, no one has told them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That they are made in the image of God. I wonder if anyone ever told Mary, do you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? In fact, quite the opposite is often true. They've, they've been marginalized like the lepers in this morning's story, literally having to go around unclean, unclean. So when our neighbors and our enemies encounter us here throughout and, and throughout the week in all the places that we live and work and study and play, are they more aware for having been in our presence that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, loved by God, of sacred worth? To me, that's the most amazing thing about this story. Yes, the healing part is Don't get me wrong, that's a miracle. But the most amazing thing about it is one who had lived his whole life unclean, on the outside looking in, was welcomed home. He finally knew just how much he was loved by God, that he belonged somewhere. 
Because when Christ comes near, the world is different, friends. It's profoundly different. It's changed, transformed, renewed, made whole, set free. And for that, we should be thankful. Amen.